My name's Rebecca and I'm part of the Boone Electric Cooperative. And my favorite thing about being part of an electrical cooperative is being a member. I feel like I'm actually treated like a valued member and not just on paper, but that they provide opportunities and um, connections for me as a member that I don't have with a lot of other places. Welcome to the Power for Your Life podcast, where we focus on energy efficiency, the value of electric cooperative membership, and safety around electricity. I'm Daryl Lindsay, your host. Today's topic, high-speed internet. My guest is Lloyd Rice. Lloyd is the manager of fiber services at SEMO Electric Cooperative in Sykeston, Missouri. The cooperative owns and operates a broadband subsidiary called GoSemo Fiber. Lloyd, thanks for joining me by phone today. Fast, reliable internet service is more essential today than it was just a few short years ago. But many Americans, in fact one in three, do not enjoy high-speed internet service. Most of them are in rural areas. But that trend is starting to change, especially with more emphasis placed on homeschooling and other education efforts. Lloyd, why did SEMO Electric Cooperative get into the business of providing high-speed internet? Hey, Daryl, thanks for uh, having me. So glad to be here. And um, it's always a really uh, uh, neat this journey to be able to share with the uh, cooperative family. So hello, cooperative family out there. SEMO got into this uh, business, Daryl, our board and leadership team had conversations somewhere even starting back in 2013. But as you can attest, as this thing is, has evolved from then until now, that few short years was filled with a lot of uh, questions and hurdles really too big to overcome. SEMO just decided to get into the biz in uh, 2017 at a, uh, at a uh, March board meeting uh, when they effectively uh, voted yes to go with a uh, fiber business model. The uh, fiber to the home business model, Daryl, was put together by Connexon, presented at that board meeting, and um, they agreed on it to do the entire cooperative footprint Basically, Daryl, from a uh, standpoint of if if not us, then who? Nobody was going to come to rural southeast Missouri and go home to home collectively throughout a rather poor uh, demographic and put up high-speed internet of any kind, much less a fiber optic network. So our board, our leadership team, and kind of following on the footsteps of Como and uh, some others, uh, just said, guys, if we don't do this, nobody else is going to do it for us. So that's kind of our our little background with it. Kind of an interesting uh, turn of events then that happened, considering the demographics and and, uh, how everything kind of pulled together, isn't it? Daryl, it was. And again, some of those hurdles, um, and, and as attested by the numbers, there's a whole lot more that are not doing it than are. 
Um, it's not an easy thing to do, and we'll probably have that point proven out uh, a little later in this conversation, but most things we do in cooperative territory are not easy, right? They are from a standpoint of uh, much uh, less uh, consumer density. We are, we're a six uh, meter per mile cooperative, Daryl, um, in the worst part of our territory. In, in in the uh, maybe the least <laughs> densely populated, I should say, a very ag heavy row crop area. We're about two meters per mile um, up to some of our towns that we serve boost us up on to about a 14 meters per mile. So we um, as a six meter per mile, and as you know, in, uh, in Missouri, we are, you know, united at two meters per mile up to you know, Quiver River that has a whole lot of meters per mile. It's it's just a testament to, there's a lot of stuff that goes into this and it may not make the most business sense. But again, our board was willing to say, you know what, if we don't do it, nobody else is. And that was literally our, our marching orders. We're not only gonna do it for the areas that make sense, Daryl, our board made the commitment to do it to 100% of the membership if there's a meter out there, we're going to build to it. That's an interesting philosophy. And, and you know, that kind of alludes to a similar move that happened uh, with electricity back in the 1930s. There wasn't power to rural areas back then. And high-speed Internet's really not for every electric cooperative either, right? A- absolutely, Daryl. Uh, d- dependent on where you lay in the landscape or, or what the... Uh, outside influences are absolutely not in our area it was an easier decision in that the the competition that that we faced just from a business standpoint was uh i guess it's one of those misnomers daryl hey it's easy to bang on the local cable company you know nobody likes them we are the co-op we are very deservedly uh have a great reputation in our communities um, as a, as a member owned cooperative, it, it's, it's kind of the, the basis of it, right? Our people do things at a little different pace. We care a little more. Uh, you're not just a number out there. You are a member owner. That also goes right through to the team that's putting this thing in. Um, just like electricity, Daryl, this doesn't make a lot of business sense. The payoff on it is long um, and it's a little bit unsure what technologies and things are out there that are going to change this conversation we're having in five years. We don't know that. Um, But again, I'll I'll keep banging that drum, Daryl. We knew that we had to have it for our territory to sustain and recent events tell that even louder, right? We weren't, we weren't planning on a pandemic, but, um, this pandemic, you talk about casting a big light on the deficiencies in broadband in Missouri. This thing is glowing brightly right now. And I got to be honest, we're glad to be two and a half years into our build project right now. I would imagine so, because you know we know that our business climate has changed. Our education climate has changed. In fact, our our home life has even changed, all because of a pandemic. When I relate that back to the the electric movement, and and as a as a veteran of the co-op world, uh, starting those roots back in 1989, I'd always wondered how the old timers, um, you know, those guys on the line crew and that that 
that 50s, 60s era lineman that I was fortunate enough to kind of learn from, this cooperative movement isn't that old. And that, I mean, what are we, we're three, four generations into this. And to kind of be able to lay some hands of, uh, of relativity on that, it, it's really neat. I mean, my mom um, and my grandmother, um, their home was literally one of those. They had to go around and get 10 interested families and it cost them the $5. And it was a really big deal. And I get an opportunity now in 2020 to go say, hey, folks, you're not on our territory. We don't serve you electrically. But you know what? If you can gather up 30 interested you know, people and, and give us a compelling case, let us kind of help make that path forward. It, it's just a real neat journey to be on in that regard, Daryl. How, you know, 80 years later, we're kind of rinsing and repeating that process. Yeah, that's and and that is so true. How things that we thought we were kind of completed and and done, you know, now it's not. Uh, kind of an interesting turn of events. Recently, Missouri Governor Mike Parson signed legislation to help bridge the digital gap um, and and bring the best possible broadband programs and services to every area in the state of Missouri. Missouri's not the only one that's that's taken this on. There have been other states do this as well. But talk about the importance of this type of legislation. What it does, it um, it it helps, I guess, kind of smooth out some of those road bumps, some of those barriers um, anytime. And, and again, again, relating this right to uh, a company that's very backbone is coal-fired generation, right? The, the more regulations and the more red tape and the more issues and the more uh, paperwork that we have to go through cr- create such barriers that at some point it's just it's just a barrier that you don't have the time, energy or influence locally to get across. And the governor making this a big deal is a uh, is a blessing in that regard. Um, it, it makes the importance very public. We don't have to go and sell this process into anyone. Everybody's on board with it. It's it's almost like that emergency uh, declaration, right? It it puts it right out there on Front Street where everybody's got to look and stare into the teeth of it and kind of admit, hey, there's a problem. And as the governor, he's doing everything he can. Now it's probably a little bit on us to do our work. And, and so far, again, blessed with uh, Sean and a great board that let us kind of run in those uh, races a little bit. Um, sometimes it's a little bit of a stretch, Daryl. Sometimes it's easy to get a little bit outside of where uh, maybe we need to be um, or what we're intended to. But again, you're going back to those seven cooperative principles, and we even layer on a little bit of top of that. Uh, if we can just keep making lives better in our area we've had to expand that from just our service territory but in our area it is just really good for SEMO Electric Co-op and its member ownership. Very good indeed for all of those in your area to be a part of something like this. Let's take a short break and when we come back Lloyd will walk us through the steps of installing high-speed fiber internet when we return. I get my power from my co-op so I can put my energy into my family. 
into waking up the neighborhood. Latte for Christine. I get my power from the co-op so I can put my energy into planting seeds for a brighter future. Touchstone Energy Cooperatives power to your community for your community so your energy can go into the things that matter most to you. My 69 Camaro. Who powers you? Coming up on Co-op Powerhouse. Now check out these cocked windows and air ducts in the basement. See you. Hi. Yeah. Finally, the hallway. This is where the magic happens. Programmable thermostat knows when to raise the temp. Or when to drop it. That's how our electric co-op helped turn our home into a powerhouse. Learn more about the power of your co-op membership at TogetherWeSave.com. Energy saving tip number 83. Check to be sure return air grills are not blocked by furniture or bookcases. Back with more of the Power For Your Life podcast. Today's guest is Lloyd Rice with GoSemo Fiber. Before the break, we were talking about the new legislation that will help bridge the digital gap in this state and the importance of high-speed internet service in rural areas. Let's shift our focus a little bit now and talk about how it works. What are the five steps that a member can expect if they're interested in this service? Yeah, Daryl, our, um, and, and we've tried to uh, do several things that work alongside marketing, as well as just being really practical, because the one thing that we felt like going into this that we wanted to be different at was being real straightforward, right? This is us, warts and all, this is how it works, this is what's going to cost, we're not doing special gimmicks or special promotional pricing, this is the electric cooperative way of doing business. So in kind of staying with that theme, we came up with uh, what we like to at least advertise as a five-step process. And the first of that step, step one is the call. And that call is either gonna be a phone call to our 877 number, check us out online. We like to say that's actually been the most busy way of pre-registration or come by one of our local offices and see us. So those three kind of live within step one of the call. In other words, that's the initial contact. Hey, I'm Daryl Lindsay. I want service. At that point, Daryl, we're going to get some real easy paperwork. And that's been something, again, we have been able to streamline because as a fiber subsidiary, we do not pay the, uh, the traditional, and I'm in air quotes here, capital credits back. So we don't have to have quite the layer of paperwork and identification and all of those details. Um, We can really do it just like the traditional telcos do, just a name and address and hey, where can we uh, get you to pay your bill? So we're gonna set that time with you and that is an initial appointment for what becomes step three, our flag. And our flag visit, we felt like initially was a little bit unique. We want one of our people to come meet with you, Daryl, at your home and pick a location outside the home that is going to be conducive to the equipment. In a fiber to the home project, Daryl, it really is fiber to the home and all the way into the modem. We're going to have the modem placed as strategically in the house 
that you, the homeowner, and that we can kind of collectively agree on it. So that third step, the flag, is a process by where we meet with you before anything else happens. After that, we schedule the drop crew to come in. They're going to put your fiber drop into the side of the house. That uh, most of the time, Daryl, that's underground and underground drop vibrate plowed in a uh, real non-intrusive type excavation, or we can follow the electric into the home via a little overhead drop. Nothing magical about that other than, hey, do you have underground to the home or do you have overhead? It's really that simple. And then finally, step five is um, that drop gets put in and we're going to schedule an install for you. And an install is where our installation folks come and physically put the modem in the house, make the fiber connections, check the light, and then really, again, going back to the co-op way of doing business, making sure the remote works for you, you're happy with the channel lineup, we're testing Wi-Fi around your house, making sure the phone's going to ring, and all the little things that, um, again, maybe through time at the co-op on the electric side, we don't go in the home anymore. It's a real personal process, this step five, Daryl, and it took uh, it took some getting used to. There's there's a lot of stories when you start going into people's homes. It, it's just a real personal contact, as you can imagine, and uh, even more so now during this pandemic. And, you know, I bet that's one of those processes that the homeowner really appreciates the fact that you are so diligent. You, you've got a process that is strategic. It's a known quantity to them. It is, Daryl. And it's, to, to be honest, it's one of the difference makers. It's why we are different than the normal uh, telcos or satellite companies or, um, in, again, any of the local cable companies. We, we're the electric co-op. We are the community. We are your neighbors. And we're going to take a little extra time and probably even a step or two that's a little bit longer in this path. But we're going to we're going to do it right and make it work for you. And uh, so far, again, two and a half years in, we wouldn't give up one step of this process. We like it all. It's working well to, to us. It's working right. And that's important um, because you do want to serve the communities properly that that are around you. And speaking of serving that community, you know, you're active in more than just Sykeston uh, or uh, Bloomfield. You're, you're active all across your service area in every single community that you have. And it's become quite the buzz on social media. So how are folks in your area uh, reacting to all this service? Daryl, one of the real wins, so that's a weird response, um, uh, in that um, we, we can't get enough of it. Um, when you get to visit with these folks after the fact or flip that around and hear the stories as to why they need it so bad, it just fuels you. There isn't any of us in the cooperative landscape that can walk away from it, I promise you. It is something else to, to know that you truly are making lives better. Um, we kind of coined that phrase and pulled it over as our moniker. They, they are getting world-class fiber broadband, fiber internet services in some of the most remote, some of the poorest areas of the state of Missouri. And that's almost intoxicating at a level that um, we can't get enough of. We love to share stories. 
And, and again, Daryl, you mix in with that. We're, we've had a few hiccups and bumps and bruises and had some trouble here and there. And you know what? We're going to roll our sleeves up. We're going to stay late and do as much as we possibly can to get it right. But, man, the, the effort and the teamwork, the, the bonding this thing is, again, throwing it back a little bit, uh, I can I can completely understand why those linemen back in the 40s and 50s were so stinking bought into this cause is because they were screwing light bulbs and hooking up refrigerators right and we're getting to hook up gig internet to a you know a mobile home in Mississippi County Missouri it is really really a neat journey We'll stick them on Facebook with us. We'll share with them at community events. Daryl, we've opened up sub offices in each of our little uh, districts that are split up by the towns we serve. Advance, we've got a little remote office. Benton, Missouri, we've got a little remote office. Down in Kiwani, Missouri, little spot on the map down in New Madrid County. New location here in Sykeston. We like to get out in the community, open this thing up, let you look under the cover, and take advantage of it. It's really been one of the better parts of it. Pretty exciting indeed, and it, and it's exciting for me to to see some of the things that you guys post on social media and and just the smile that it brings to to the face of that customer. It's it's just really incredible. Whether it's a work from home or a, a school from home, telehealth. Daryl was a whole thing two years ago that we were like, yeah, I don't really get it, whatever. Daryl, it's become so real that it's in, in, in three months' time, it's really become all the talk that um, a person that um, has whatever, a diabetes, I mean, you could name it a, a dermatology appointment, things that formerly you go to St. Louis, Memphis, or Springfield for in our world, they're literally, you're doing it online. And uh, that that's that's a subtle life-changing event, right? That's, you, you can't necessarily quantify that other than say, you know what? It's just really a whole lot better to be able to do that from right here in the comfort of home. It doesn't work without uh, a high-speed upload ability, and that's, why fiber to the home is different. We don't pull that upload speed back. It's, I mean, you and I are are on a, a webinar. These things have become so big a deal this spring. And um, the, it's the, the, the people, the stories that people share, whether it's work, whether it's school, no matter the situation, um, it, it is just really changed lives. This spring is just making it stick out, really stand out. So I'm going to throw one word out here, and it's called expectations. We really shouldn't have them, but we do, and it doesn't matter what we're involved in. What is your expected goal in terms of the number of subscribers that Go Simo Fiber anticipates by the end of the year? Daryl, our end of the year goal will complete our construction, mainline construction. I'll hang this on my construction manager, Chris's neck here publicly by saying by the end of the year. So by December, we'll have 100% of our uh, 2,000 miles of electric line built to. So we will have effectively passed, and they, in the biz, they call that passings. We'll have somewhere around, um, I'm going to say 10,000 passings. 
our our goal by the end of the year is to have a uh, uh, five thousand four hundred. A um, little bit of an odd number there. Our business model at the very beginning of this, Daryl, said that we needed um, six thousand uh, subscribers to make this thing viable in this amount of time over this many years. Well, our board took that five-year plan and said, that is not moving fast enough. Let's condense that down to three. So last year, we effectively doubled our build, and we're going to build this thing in a three-year build process. So that'll end in 2020, December 2020. We hope to have 5,400 connected subscribers online, um, which is way outpacing our needs on that business model, Daryl. And in doing that, that that creates some pressure. You really ramp up your build. You're gonna you're gonna take this uh, forty million dollar project, and you're gonna start adding crews, manpower, labor, all of the materials involved. That ran cost up. We're we're running a little bit uh, over that initial cost estimate due to it. But to hit those expected goals, Daryl, of 6,000 by the end of uh, 2022, if I'm doing my math right, um, we knew that we wanted to also run at this pace. So that expectation, Daryl, that we needed 6,000, we're outpacing that right now. As If you can kind of follow the math, I know it's a little bit tough to stay up with me, but um, we really want to be that 50% take rate, and that's kind of the path we're on right now. We're setting it right around a 40% take rate. Our business model said we needed around a 30% take rate to make it work. So it depends which goal you're looking at, right? The the minimal one of 30% take rate or the uh, the team goal of plus 40, and I'll even say we're going to land at 50, Daryl, because we're doing it right. We're doing it for the right reasons. It's insanely expensive. It, it costs about $25,000 per mile in CMOS territory to build fiber to the home. We're doing a mainly overhead construction with the mainline fiber, which is the most expensive part of it. Tim and the crew down at Pimscott Dunklin to our south are doing mainly an underground one just because their uh, area is a little more conducive to cheaper underground builds. But I wanted to lump that cost into this expectations conversation because without the subscriber count, Daryl, you're, you're not going to bankroll this thing. And <laughs> co-op business is unique in that we can take that as a not-for-profit entity we can take that and spread that out a little farther like we have done for so many years. And the customers that come later, the customers in the past, all of us absorb this and we don't have to have it paid for in three years, thank goodness. Some of those funding mechanisms uh, that you heard of, the governor's initiative, uh, the Missouri Broadband Grant, and, and a big one on the way that's called ARDOF, the Rural Digital Opportunity Fund, that's going to be a difference maker for some of the co-ops that haven't gotten in yet or just now in the process of having these conversations. Daryl, momentum is on the side, and I would like to lump some of our friends and neighbors in the co-op world into that conversation. And it really ought to be all of our expectations 
to truly make lives better. And if there is that need in co-op land and, and there is that support for it, I hope that these funding mechanisms that are really tailored to the electric co-op space uh, come to pass Missouri-wide to get some of that moxie back. Well, and, and, you know, as we talked in the first segment, it's, you know, really an individual cooperative choice. As you indicated uh, here just a, a minute ago, the neighbors to your south, uh, Pemiscot, Dunklin, more conducive to underground because they've got, uh, as we so well know here in the southwest part of the state, we've got rocks. <laughs> you've Different, you've yes. got rocks. Um, it makes it really difficult to do underground work when you have rocks. I think of some of those uh, hills and <laughs> and some of that terrain. Those guys set that first coal line on over there, and yes, it's a it's a different animal. But Daryl, exactly. conversation we we may effectively really have the only pathway to them all. So yeah, I mean it. It just is. It's a, it even though even as difficult and 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 tough as it as it may sound the, the electric cooperative space may be the only place that we get in front of everybody's door right and and we may pass enough of them that that we're the guys that are supposed to carry this flag this generation chalk it up to our board being that progressive about it and a and a ceo that was that uh passionate about the area but um this may be right in our laps, Daryl. This may be the next rural electrification movement, and we're just kind of at the start of it here. Well, Lloyd, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention something about safety. Give us a, a safety message as it relates to fiber broadband. Yeah, Daryl, a couple. And, and of course, you have the construction. Um, inherently, there, there aren't the dangers with fiber in the electric space. Um, so on our, the, the legislation that the Missouri uh, uh, legislation passed several years ago made it where electric co-ops can use their own pole lines, their own right-of-way and territory to also put in broadband. That was a big important move and it happened at just the right time for us. Working in that electric space, Daryl, and uh, so you have to have uh, the folks be properly trained because uh, if you're going to be outside of that traditional communication space, that next 40 inches there is really important that not only our people be trained and work really safe on, but all of the contractors and people that are also working on your system. So it's a big, big deal to have contractors and employees certified completely in the electric space. And again, along with that goes a cost, right? That person, that employee costs more. The other part is don't shoot our fiber lines. When you do that, it's a really expensive, it's a really uh, time expensive. Um, when you shut down a mainline fiber, it is really hard to splice. It's really hard to find those issues. That's probably been our biggest obstacle, Daryl, or biggest problem child. The last two uh, opening season or opening uh, dove season, opening day, have been some of our bigger outages. People literally shooting birds on a fiber line, and it will do a lot of damage to a lot of customers down line, and that's a uh, Maybe that can be my safety message is don't shoot at our fiber optic lines. 
we don't shoot at the uh, uh, electric lines and the insulators because it it can be pretty devastating for people. That's right. In saying that, you know, yes, did it knock you off Netflix? Well, yeah, but was was Mrs. Lindsay on a telehealth briefing? Were some kids at school? Um, was somebody on a, a, a 911 call? There's a lot of important data flowing up and down those lines. Maybe getting that message out is is that's become one of our bigger marketing needs is to do as good as we've done on the electric side, right? Promoting that and selling it into the area. We've got to make people understand that this isn't just a nuisance. It's a, it's a really big deal. All good information to know. Lloyd Rice with Go Simo Fiber. I appreciate you taking time today to uh, join me in this discussion. Thanks, Daryl. We we love to share the journey. It's been um, it's been really good for the electric co-op. All 62 of us um, are really proud proud to to wear that logo on our shirts and get out and about in the community. And uh, we we love sharing it with the uh, cooperative family. Thanks for thinking of us. Thanks for listening to the Power for Your Life podcast. To learn more about this topic and other safety, efficiency, and energy technology information, contact your local electric cooperative or visit us on the web at membersfirst.coop. You can also follow us on social media at facebook.com slash membersfirstcooperatives, pinterest.com slash membersfirst, or instagram.com slash members first. If you have a question or topic you would like us to consider for an upcoming episode, email us at membersfirst at aeci.org.